The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. So glad that we can gather together at Cooper City, gather here in uh, West Pembroke Pines, and to worship together. And my name, if you're a guest here, my name is Roby. I'm one of the pastors here, and you've come on a very special Sunday for us. We are um, celebrating a transition that's happening in our midst. Um, We are going to be commissioning and sending Pastor Justin and Amy Chades to their next calling from the Lord, their next assignment. And so that makes this Sunday a very special Sunday. Let me backtrack a little bit. Um, About 18 months ago, I was meeting with um, another pastor here in our city, He's one of our sister churches. He's a lead pastor of one of our sister churches, Hollywood Community Church. His name is Brian, a dear friend of mine and someone deeply involved in Church United, a church that we partner together a lot with in many ways. And he was sharing with me on how he is um, beginning to plan the succession process there at their church and talking through that with their leaders. And uh, something that he and I had spoken about before, and he asked me, he said, um, as we're thinking about who is going to, to, to step in as the lead pastor, would you be open for us to talk to Pastor Justin about, about considering that? And so we began that conversation, and of course, the, the answer was uh, obviously yes, we're not going to stand in the way of what God's going to, going, wants to do here for HCC, uh, what he wants, may want to do in Justin and Amy Chades in their lives. And so we began a conversation not only with HCC, but also with Justin and Amy and have been praying over the last several months. One of the things we've been praying for is unity, praying for unity between um, our sister church um, and our hearts and in, in their hearts, uh, Justin and Amy and Pastor Brian and their leadership. And the Lord has answered that prayer. Over the last few months, it's become clear to all of us involved that this is what God is, call, is the calling for HCC for Justin and Amy, and so the calling for City Rev as well. All of us have become convinced of that. And so we, as City Rev, receive that news with mixed emotions. We are excited for the privilege of sending them out to their next assignment. Of course, we're also heavy-hearted because uh, we're very possessive of them. We love them. We are very grateful for them. Um, but how this will play out over the next couple weeks. This week, um, we're going to have Pastor Justin in a moment come share with us, but this is a sending and commissioning service off for Pastor Justin and Amy. Next week will be Justin and Amy's last um, last uh, weekend here with City Rev. They will be at the Cooper City campus where there will be a, a reception for them afterwards. Um, but today, we're going to hear from Pastor Justin um, just some, some words to his church family as he's transitioning to, to his next call and some things that God's put on his heart. And so um, what we wanted to do, instead of him just coming out on stage as he normally would, I thought it would be appropriate for us to welcome him on stage and let him know how much we appreciate him and Amy and his family. So could you help me? Cooper City, West Pines, welcome Pastor Justin. Thank you. Please sit. Please sit. Ah, wow. I love this church. Um, you know, um, in a moment I'm going to preach and, uh, we're going to get to that, but I did. Oh, thank you, Jeannie. It's very convenient. Uh, but, um, this is not like an Emmy award thing or an Academy speech, but I do want to just say thank you. Um, thank you to... City Rev, uh, to this church, and um, I want to read a passage that I think this is not the sermon that's coming. This is just my thank you, and uh, I'm speaking on behalf of really Amy and I together. I want to read this. This, I think, articulates what's in our hearts. Philippians chapter 1. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And essentially all of that except for the part where Paul is in prison, that's how I feel. <laughs> towards you, City Rev, and towards this beautiful family that Amy and I have had the privilege of being a part of for over nine years, and uh, for the City Rev staff that uh, on a weekly basis, you are my family, and it's been a joy to serve alongside you all. Such dear people. And, uh, you know, being at a church and serving on staff these last nine years, you know, I have the, the biggest, uh, I don't know, behind the curtain perspective of City Rev, I think. And what you see is what you get. The people and leaders here are real. They love you. They love this church. They love the Lord. They love this city. And so to the fellow pastors that are my brothers, um, just honor them. I just, I just am so grateful for the example they set and for the way that they've invested in me. And uh, the Bible says to outdo one another in showing honor. And uh, I think it's a fitting moment uh, for me to honor my lead pastor, um, my friend. Uh, somebody tried calling him my ministry father. He wouldn't have anything of it. <laughs> he says that makes him sound old. Um, but uh, Pastor Roby, uh, the thought that comes to mind when I think about you and the gratitude that Amy and I have towards you is Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul says, he says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And I think of you when I think of that verse. And I think these last nine years, I've learned and received and heard and seen your leadership and... Uh, through that, learned what it means to be a pastor in so many ways. And the result is I am who I am today in many ways, in large part due to your investment in me, belief in me. And I have experienced the God of peace in my life. And so, uh, man, this is, this is a sweet moment. Uh, it's an emotional day. And uh, I'm grateful to be here. Uh, my best friend, Amy, is here. And... Uh, I'm just so, we're just our hearts. I speak for both of us. She won't get the chance to speak, but I speak for both of us. To our City Rev West Pines and Cooper City campus family, we love you and we're grateful for you. Okay, I'm done with that part now. Uh, let, me, uh, let me pray and then, um, let me pray and then we'll get into God's word together. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, so grateful, Lord. Sheer joy, this moment, just uh, there are tears because it's so good and it's so wonderful and is a reminder of your kindness. And so we thank you for that, Father. Uh, Lord, I, I pray right now that as we open up your word, that you would take center stage in each of our hearts, Lord. God, would you be glorified as we open up our minds and hearts to receive from you today. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us, help us to grow into the likeness of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, I've been thinking about this message for a while now, recognizing 
the unique nature of getting the opportunity to share kind of a final message as one of your pastors, recognizing that although I've shared many sermons here, this may be the one that maybe you'll, you'll remember the most just because it's the last thing, the last one, uh, while I serve as one of your pastors. And so I've been approaching that with a level of, I think, fear and trembling, uh, with a level of wanting to make sure I steward this moment well. And so in one sense, this message is unique, and in another sense, it's the same. We're going to open up God's Word. We're going to sit under the authority of His truth. I'm going to point you to the Savior, and we're going to together respond to what God's Word teaches us. And so in that sense, it's the same, and I'm still me. So at some point, you know, I thought, this being my last message, if there was such a thing as a Pastor Justin bingo card of things to expect in a sermon, I think we're going to hit all of them today. At some point, I'm going to reference C.S. Lewis. At some point, there will be a South Florida sports reference. And then we've already hit one, okay? I've cried. So... So this is going to be, I think, uh, feel, feel like home. And, and if you're newer to the City Rev family, welcome. Uh, Amy and I have found this to be a church family that embraces and welcomes you in. And so I want to invite you to look with me at 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles 29, if you have your Bible with you, uh, we're going to look at a passage that contains David, King David's last words before he really uh, disappears off the pages of Scripture, at least in his lifetime. First uh, Chronicles 29 is a prayer. It's the last recorded words we have of this great, incredible, godly, complicated figure named David. David is a man who was used of God incredibly. He is a man who loved God deeply. He is a man who was flawed and failed epically. And King David, the man that he was, King David is going to point us to the great king that he served. And so I want to look at these words today as David is basically preparing the kingdom to transition over to his son Solomon. David spends the latter part of his life, his final years, to preparing for the construction of the temple. The the temple, the house that would be the centerpiece of Israel's worship. He spent all of his final years and all of the resources he had accrued, he poured into this time of preparation. And he leaves us with this prayer in 1 Chronicles 29. And I'd, I'd like to share it with you under these three headings. What David shares with us, it's very simple. He's going to tell us and teach us about who God is. He's going to remind us, in light of who God is, who we are as his people. And third, he's going to show us how then are we to live. Who God is, who are we, and then how do we live in light of that. And so I want to look at it with you. First Chronicles 29, here's what God says through his word. Therefore, David, bless the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all these things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you, and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow." and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name, it comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have offered freely all these things, and now I have seen your people 
who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and and direct their hearts towards you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. David's prayer here in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 contain the combined wisdom and experience of a man who has walked with God through every type of scenario you can imagine. David has walked with God after slaying a giant while everyone else was cowering in fear and David was the hero and David has walked with God in the throes of depression, of feeling lost, of feeling alone, of feeling abandoned. David has walked with God in the shadow of his own failures. And he found in God mercy and grace and forgiveness in spite of himself. And so here we have David at the conclusion of his life, teaching and instructing us about God. And so number one, here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. David teaches us about who God is. Number one, God is the sovereign king who is the source, sustainer, and ruler over all things. From David's prayer, he wants us to know very clearly, he praises and addresses God with this understanding. He is the sovereign king. Uh, what, What does that mean, that he's sovereign? It means he has total and complete authority. There is no higher authority than God. God is the ruler and the one who reigns. He's the source of all things and sustainer of all things. Uh, The Psalms say that God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. And so it's not just that he has total authority, it's also that he has the power to carry out whatever his authority wills. David praises God in this way. And I want you to look back down at the passage to see with me how David describes him in this burst of praise. Look at verse 11 with me again. David says this, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. He's not done yet. And the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Now, when I was in elementary school, I was taught that's a run on sentence. David just keeps adding these superlatives to describe the Lord. Each of these terms in their own right are royal terms. Uh, Other kings, human kings would be described for their majesty, their splendor, right? Their glory. And here David is just stacking on top of one another each of these labels to make it crystal clear who the true king is. David, the most powerful man in his kingdom, wants the kingdom to know there is one that he is under. There is a sovereign king who is great and mighty, that all that is in the the heavens and on earth is his. Now, when you ask people about whether or not they believe in God or have faith in God, in our world, in our culture, you walk around South Florida, I'd say the majority of people say, yeah, I believe in God. In fact, uh, atheism, true atheism, is, is a very small portion of the population. Most people say, yeah, I believe in God or I believe in a higher power. But what do people mean when they say, yes, I believe in God? I believe in, in a higher power. What people most often mean by that statement is that they have in their minds, there, there's someone up there, like the man upstairs, who is there to lend a helping hand when you need him. Most people, when they say, yeah, I I believe in God, what they mean by that is that there's someone that they they kind of feel like would be a certain way. In fact, the the kind of language that's often used when when it comes to this idea of there being a God is people will say things like, well, I just, I feel like God is like this. Or maybe upon hearing something the Bible might say about God, they might respond by saying, well, I just don't feel like God would act that way. 
or the God I believe in would never do blank. And what those sentences reveal about where most of our hearts are is it reveals that we have subjected God to the limitations and confines of our feelings and tastes. In fact, most people, when they say, I believe in God, what they really mean is I believe in a kind of higher power who can lend a helping hand when I need him and blame when things don't go my way. Someone I can trot out when it's convenient for me and then put back in his small box that I've built for him. And I fortunately have the key. And so most people, when they say, yes, I believe in God, this is, this is what they have in mind, a God made in their image. And we just read in David's prayer about a very different God. There is a true living God who is completely unlike what I just described. In fact, I just plead with you, if you're here today, maybe you came today because a relative or a friend is getting baptized. You're there at the Cooper City campus and someone invited you to come to watch your friend get baptized or whatever the occasion might be. I would just plead with you today, don't hide behind this false sense of security. I believe in God, I'm good, me and God are cool. When you haven't actually stopped to consider, okay, is this just a God I've made up who happens to agree with everything I think. Or if there is a living God who created everything and who has every authority and power, do I know this God? David begins by praising this God. Look at verse 12, he continues. Verse 12, David says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and give strength to all. David understands that God is the great and awesome king, that all that David has accomplished in his life, all that he has just rallied together, this incredible amount of wealth that they just offered to the Lord to prepare to build this temple, David says, riches and honor come from you. All of my life, all that I have, it is from you. This is who God is. So I would remind you today, brothers and sisters, that we serve the living God. We serve the God who made us in his image. We serve the God who rules and reigns over heaven and earth. And so when Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, a verse we often talk about, when we're talking about becoming a Christian, how a person becomes a follower of Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse nine, the apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, which means you'll be reconciled to God. Your sins will be forgiven, your eternity secure. The way that you experience that forgiveness and redemption is by confessing Jesus as Lord. Now. Pause with me for a moment. What does that mean for Jesus to be Lord? The background image for that word Lord is what David is describing here in 1 Chronicles 29. What we're talking about when we say Jesus is Lord, we're talking about King Jesus, whose is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. We're talking about the one that has all authority, we're talking about Jesus who said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. So to come to faith in Jesus means to acknowledge the kingship of Jesus. And not just in some general hypothetical sense, but his lordship over your life. That he is the great king. And the story of the gospel is that our great and awesome king ascended his throne in the most shocking and surprising way. Our great king, he came to his kingdom. He sat on the throne and made the earth his footstool by first humbling himself, becoming like one of us, taking on flesh. Jesus Christ, the son of God, became like one of us, and he lived his life perfectly. He dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. The Son of God came because he loves us. 
and he lived here in our midst, and yet Jesus, who helped and served and taught and healed, was delivered over to death. And in order to mock him, the, the mock trial that was put on to just find an excuse to crucify him, the soldiers, in order to just belittle Jesus, put this faux robe around him and a crown of thorns on his head to mock the kind of king that Jesus is, not knowing what Jesus would be about to go do. That on the cross, Jesus Christ would look at his enemies, at the ones who crucified, and have a word of forgiveness and grace for his accusers. One of those Roman soldiers, upon seeing Jesus die, a death he had seen so many crucifixions before he had never seen one like this. He saw Jesus breathe his last, give up his spirit with a word of forgiveness and grace over his accusers as he's being publicly shamed and mocked. And this Roman soldier says, truly, this is the son of God. Your king, King Jesus, came to give all for you. Your king, King Jesus, came and he died in your place and he rose from the grave and he is now seated at the right hand of God ruling and reigning, and he has called us his brothers and sisters. He loves you and gave himself for you. And so friends here today who do not know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with King Jesus, I plead with you today not to settle for a God of your own invention, but to receive the grace and mercy and love that comes through a relationship with the living God the God who bled for you, the God who loved you, the God who gave himself for you, and the God who conquered death for you. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the entry point into discipleship, into following Jesus, we, we often describe this idea of being a disciple of Jesus as the word mathetes here at City Rev. And the word mathetes describes what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's the Greek word that's used throughout the New Testament to describe these followers of Christ. And what it means to be a disciple and to grow as a disciple of Jesus, in one sense, you can frame it this way, it's to grow in your appreciation of and in your understanding of the immensity of God. It's for this ever-expanding, always-broadening vision of the King of Kings, who is the source and sustainer of your life. Following Jesus, growing in your faith, spiritual maturity is about God becoming bigger, more expansive, it's about journeying with him and only realizing there is so much more of him that you've just scratched the surface of. Uh, to be a Christian is to begin this journey now and into eternity of never ever running out of new glories and wonders to behold of the mercy and grace of God. There's uh, a moment in uh, a movie that I saw recently with my kids it's the movie Prince Caspian, based on the novel by C.S. Lewis. He, uh, he writes this moment in the story that I think is so profound and powerful. Uh, the, there's a moment where the little, there's a little girl named Lucy who embodies this kind of childlike innocence, a childlike faith. And Lucy, she's in this desperate moment, and she's longing to see Aslan, the great lion who represents Christ in Lewis's novels, and she's looking for him, and finally she finds him. And here's what Lewis writes. She says this, Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy. At last, the great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her. She gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you're older, little one, answered Aslan. Not because you are. I am not older, but every year you grow, you'll find me bigger. With age, 
there's this tendency for the things in our lives to just get smaller over time. We think in our heads it was bigger when we first experience it, and then when we're older and we go back, we realize, oh, wow, this is it. It's the opposite with God. That the more you walk with Jesus, the longer you walk with him. The older you get in following the Savior, you never run out of finding ways that he's bigger and more glorious. He is the king. And one way we grow, one way to think about how do I become the person God wants me to be is to walk daily with this as, as your goal. God, would you be bigger in my heart today than it was yesterday? This is our calling. This is who David sees God as. He is the sovereign king who is the source and sustainer over all things. Second, who are we then? We are awestruck servants of the king. We are awestruck servants of the king. This order is so essential. David starts with God. He praises God for who he is. And now David has a right understanding of who he is. God is our reference. And then based on who God is, now we can see ourselves rightly. And so here's what David says. Look with me back down to the passage, verses 14 and 15. Here's how he continues after describing the greatness of God. He says this in verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own hand we've given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. This is the most powerful man in Israel. This is the king who has countless servants who, whatever he says to do, they do. If he wants anything, can think of anything, he can have it. And David, after considering the Lord, surveys his life and says, who am I that I would get to serve you in this way, Lord? You hear the humility in his prayer? Who are we, your people? that we're able to give you this gift for your temple. We're strangers and sojourners. We're wanderers. None of this truly belongs to us. It's all yours. Our life is, it's like a shadow. It comes for a moment and it fades away. I'm just this tiny creature in light of who you are. There's awe in David's voice and tone as he describes the Lord. And it's an instructive reminder to us that true greatness is not found in self-sufficiency. True greatness is not found in not needing anyone. It's found in humble service to God. David continues, verse 16. Here's what he says. Verse 16. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we've provided for building you a house and for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. He looks at all the preparations he's just spent years getting ready for the building of the temple. And he says, Lord, all that we just gave, it's all from you. It comes straight from your hand. Uh, it, it reminds me, that idea, that concept reminds me of a time in elementary school where I was going to my dad. I went to my dad and I said, hey dad, can I have some money? I need to borrow some money which, you know, when you're in elementary school, you really don't borrow money from your, your parents. You know, you just, you just take the money. Um, but anyways, I asked him, can I borrow some money? And uh, I think it was around Father's Day or, or his birthday or something like that. And uh, I borrowed money and then I, I went and there was this little store set up at the school I went to that uh, had these little gifts. And so I bought my dad a money clip that said, number one dad. Right? So I bought that for him and I, I gave it to him on either Father's Day or my birthday. And kind of a little side note about my dad, he's not a money clip guy. He's never been a money clip guy. Uh, and uh, honestly, thinking retroactively what it looked like, it was very tacky, uh, not very good looking. I don't think he ever used it. I'm pretty sure it sat in a drawer, but he was grateful for the gift and he received it with joy. And that's a little picture, I think, of what David is saying about this massive offering they just brought to God for the building of the temple. 
If you read the chapter before this, you'll read them describe what amounts to in today's dollars, like billions of dollars of gold, silver, bronze, and other supplies for this incredible structure. And David offers willingly, not of just the, the, the kingdom's treasury, but his personal treasury, like his own account, he gives this extravagant offering and he looks at it and he marvels and he says, Lord, I'm amazed. I can't believe it. That you've so blessed us, your people, that we could give this incredible offering and we've given it from your hand. You've blessed us in this way. And so we offer this willingly and freely. Here is this king who's living and walking as a servant, who sees himself rightly as one who has God to owe for all that he is, for any accomplishment he's experienced, he credits it to the Lord. This is the marker of greatness. We are awestruck servants of the king. It's not just that we have a sovereign king who is the ruler and sustainer of all. Here's the shocking part. He loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to show his kindness towards you and walk with you through the valley, through the mountaintops. He wants to walk with you. And when you live your life with this mentality that all is grace, everything I've got that's good in my life, all that I have, it's not me. I'm not a self-made man. I'm not self-sufficient. We live in a day where people say, I built that. I made that happen. And here's what happens with that mentality of entitlement, bitterness, insecurity, and paranoia to make sure what I built doesn't get messed with. Nobody threatens the kingdom that I've set up for myself. But when you live your life recognizing that all is grace, it's all a gift. The next breath I take, there's nothing inherently about me, nothing I've done that deserves the next breath I take. Every moment, a gift of grace from the sustainer. When you live your life in that way, it sets you free. It, it makes you the kind of person that people are drawn to. And conversely, you be a person who says, I built this, I deserve this, I'm entitled to this, Nothing will repel a community, a church, a group of people, a nation, more than when people say, I did, I deserve, it's about me, I'm entitled. But when we walk as humble servants who recognize that riches and honor, strength comes from the Lord, it sets us free. We don't take ourselves so seriously anymore. We don't get so worked up when someone offends us. Our self-perception doesn't rise and fall based on the opinions of others. There's this security that comes. It's all grace. We're awestruck servants of the King. We walk in the footsteps of Jesus, who is called the servant of the Lord. Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus sets the stage for what it means to be a servant. And then Jesus, by his service, by his humbling of himself, now God has exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. He is King and we are his servants and that is our honor. There is no higher honor than to walk and live as servants of our King. This is who Jesus is, and this is what he's called us to do. We belong to our King. So then in light of that, in light of who God is and who he says we are, how are we then to live? How should we live? David is gonna show us here in this passage that we're to spend our lives for the glory of God. If God is the sovereign king who's the source, sustainer, and ruler over all things, and we are awestruck servants of the king, how should we live? We should live by spending our lives for the glory of God. 
of living and giving everything we've got for his renown. And there'll be moments when we blow it. There'll be moments when in our journey of following Jesus, we fall down or we get beat up. And what it means to be a servant of the king is that the king comes to us in those moments, lifts us up, puts his right hand on our shoulder and says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Here's how David wraps up this prayer. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, a beautiful verse in light of who God is and who we are. Verse 18, oh Lord, he petitions. He, he asks God for something. This prayer is full of praise and thanksgiving and declarations about God. Here's what he asks. Oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts towards you. David's prayer is that God would guard the hearts of his people. David's prayer here is, God, would you, would you win the battle for the hearts of your people? Would you capture them? That is the battle line in your life. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your affections. And David says, oh Lord, I pray that their hearts would be kept for you and your purposes. And so reading this, uh, verse, thinking about the end of David's life, it coincided with just this week, I wrapped up reading the auto, or excuse me, not the autobiography, the biography of a man named Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary to Burma. His uh, biography to the Golden Shore is really just this incredible, captivating description of his life. And the author of the book takes readers on this journey of experiencing the faults, the strengths, the victories, the losses of this young 20-something who went on a several months journey across the ocean to Burma, to a place where there were no Christians, where there was no Bible in that language. And Adoniram Judson spent his life there in Burma translating the Bible into Burmese so that they have a a copy of God's word in their native language and establishing a healthy church there and being the forerunner of a missionary movement to Burma. And so this incredible man who throughout the book, you read about this journey where he has this youthful exuberance and then you see him encounter loss and pain. He walks through a season of deep depression, of loneliness, of confusion in his faith and then see him come out the other side trusting God. And so as I read this book, I felt like I was on a journey with this man. And I, I, I started to feel what he felt. And I finally finished the book and I got to the end and it described his painful death. He died after weeks of pain while at sea. Six plus decades of life. After all that God had used him to do. And I finished I read that sentence that described when he took his last breath and I just started, I just started crying. And I've told you already, I'm a crier. It's obvious by now. I've never, I've never had the experience before where I'm reading some biography and I, I'm crying at the death of this man. And, and I was crying not because I'm sad, you know, I'm crying because I was so moved by a flawed, imperfect man who, I mean, he had challenges, went through immense suffering. And I, I was moved by a man who spent his life for the glory of God. Uh, and so I just had this moment. I said, Lord, I, I'm not this guy, but I just want my life to count like that. I want to live my life well. I want to spend it well. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's something deep inside you that resonates with a life that is spent well. Uh, get your bingo cards ready. It reminded me of this moment in the 2020 NBA Finals <laughs> when Jimmy Butler uh, had this iconic moment. I want to show you a picture on the screen. This is a picture, if you watch this, uh, finals live. This is game five, the Heat were down. And Jimmy Butler played 
47 of the 48, he only took about 40 seconds off that entire game, which is unheard of. And he had the most incredible performance and essentially willed his team to victory. And at the end of the game, there's like minutes left at this point. He had just made a, an incredibly difficult shot. And you see him with minutes left. He's given everything he's got and he just collapses on the side in exhaustion. And that iconic photo has, has stuck in my mind. And I see that photo and I want that to be a parable of my life. There's something in us that when we see someone spend themselves for something, it just appeals to something. It's like, I want my life to matter. I don't want to shrink back. I don't want to hold back. I don't want fear to rule me. I want to give it all I have. And so I share that with you, church family, so that you might live and spend your life for the glory of God. And not as though I'm sharing something new, but as a way of reminder to say, spend your life for that which truly matters. You know, many of us, we spend our lives, we can relate to Jimmy Butler, exhausted, maybe hunched over. But the question we need to ask is, what am I spending my life on? Where are my energies going? How am I living? And if I could just exhort us from David's prayer, two ways that we can spend our lives for the glory of God. The first I would say from this text, it is a direct application. Number one is to live a life of extravagant generosity towards God. Extravagant generosity towards God. You know, there's so many benefits to this being my last sermon. You know, I can say things and things I, you know, you'd be tempted to hold back in other situations, and I can just let it rip. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, that's just our heartbeat as pastors. This is who the pastors of your church are. They, they share with you. But let me just say this. We live in a world, in a culture of idolatry when it comes to money and time. We are possessive over our stuff and our time as if it belongs to us. And David's prayer here is a not so gentle rebuke to our assumption that what we have is actually ours. And David would say to us, God's word would say to us, all that we have is the Lord's. David spent the latter part of his life, the last several years of his life, on this project. And just think about it with me. He sowed all of this time and all of this money that he had accrued over the vast success of his kingdom. He sowed all of that. He spent his final years on a project that he knew he wouldn't see. He died before the temple was built. And David sowed with his time and his resources he planted seeds of redemption and hope that he knew would bless future generations. And as the people of God, we are invited to participate in that way, to sow generously with our resources and time. And so maybe one practical application that I think is incredibly relevant to the text that we just read. I don't know about you in your house. Amy and I, we received our, our City Rev 2023 giving statement last week. And a, a, an on-the-nose application of this passage is to open that up and just say, Lord, wow, thank you. Who am I that I was able to give this to you? How, how can this be that we've been so blessed? You've given us so much that we get to do this, Lord. Thank you. And so I'd encourage you, if this is your church home, have that mentality and heart with your money and your time these resources that God has entrusted to us. And I love the way so many of you do, how you serve and you steward and you live this expression of the gospel. But then second, I would encourage you and exhort you from this passage to redefine success as enduring faithfulness and fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Redefine success in your life. 
redefine what it looks like to win. David's final words, verse 20. David said to all the assembly, bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. He has one final royal command for his people. His command is to bless the Lord. At the end of his life, here is his sole task. Turn your attention to him. And I would exhort you, City Rev, redefine success. Don't take your eyes off the prize. Run your race in such a way as to win the prize. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, don't lose heart. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't swerve to the right or the left. Don't look at your neighbor or this person or that person. Keep your eyes firmly fixed on your king. Serve him. Spend yourself for him. There is true reward and great gain there. And here's what you find that as you lose yourself in finding that Christ is your all, you realize that your highest joy and his greatest glory are not at odds with each other. It's not, let me live for the glory of God and then let me have this terrible, no, no, no. It is this pursuit of joy and delight in him that he invites you into. We're servants of the king. He loves us. And I wanna invite you now to go with me to him in prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father in heaven, we declare today together that you are the king. There is no higher authority. We declare together today that heaven and earth are yours. And if heaven and earth are yours, our hearts are yours. Our bodies are yours. Our lives are yours. Our future is yours. Our money is yours. Our time is yours. Our children are yours. Our friendships, all is yours. And so Lord, for this church family, for City Rev Church, Lord, would you just instill that fire, that passion of what it means to be a Mathetes afresh? God, may this family, this church, set the pace for the spiritual passion and vibrancy of what it means to follow the King. Lord, we say it's not about us. Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. So Holy Spirit, we say we depend on you. Would you fill us afresh, empower us so that we might love well, endure well, set our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, may we be able to one day, as King David did, whenever the sunset of our time here on earth comes to a close, and we zoom out and we think about our lives, Lord, I pray that we would be able to look back at our lives and be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race and there's laid before me a crown of righteousness. That's our heart, Lord. That's what we long for, Lord. So use us, use this church, and would you use City Rev Church here in South Florida to be the light that shines brightly and is this catalyst for transformation here in South Florida. That we would see South Florida transformed by the power of the gospel in our generation. Use us, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Cooper City, would you stand? West Pines, would you stand? In just a moment, um, Rebecca and I are going to pray over uh, Justin and Amy, and uh, we want to invite you to pray with us. Um, but can we thank them? Can we thank Justin and Amy Chase?
to invite the two of you to come down to the front here. And um, uh, in just a moment, um, Cooper City, as we pray, I'm going to ask you, if you feel comfortable, to extend a hand towards the screen as a, a share, as you share in that prayer. But here's what I'm going to take a risk and do here at the West Pines campus. Um, next week, uh, Cooper City will have an opportunity to, to celebrate Justin and Amy together. Uh, this is our opportunity up close and personal to celebrate them. So here's what I'm going to extend the opportunity to you as we pray. If anyone wants to come down front and put a hand on Justin and Amy, come on forward now. It's okay if there's a crowd. If anyone feels so led to put a, a hand on Justin and Amy as we commission them, feel free to come forward. few things first before I pray over you, uh, for you, Justin and Amy, first of all, on behalf of our church, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. You faithfully served your church, given of yourselves. You've borne great fruit here. Thank you. Thank you for every sermon, Justin, every message, Amy. Thank you for countless small groups that you've led. Thank you for countless unseen moments that you have planned and organized ministries for our church. Thank you for so many unseen moments of discipleship and mentorship and moments you've been on your knees in prayer for your church. Thank you. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your friendship to Rebecca and I, and thank you to your, for your friendship to all those who call City Rev their church home. We're also thankful to the Lord for you, for how he has used your gifts in our lives. A commission to you, two things, as we send you off. The two of you are like a brother and sister to Rebecca and I, but in some ways it does feel like you are a, a son and, the, and a daughter of the house. And so as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. God saw fit to bring you through this house for a season, and there were things he wanted to deposit in you. So please, we commission you and expect of you and know of you that you will always keep Jesus at the center. Always stand firm on the gospel. Always have a heart broken for a city that God loves. And always walk as all or nothing mathetes, making that kind of mathetes to follow the Lord. At the same time, we echo the words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he says, fulfill your own ministry. And so at the same way, we, I, I read over you, and I speak this word over the two of you out of Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You are commissioned to go forth, go forth with the word of God and let it nourish places. In South Florida, it has never been nourished. He's doing a new work through you two. And we cheer you on and pray for that work you're doing. Secondly, Justin, would you take Amy's hands and would you look at your, at your bride? Justin, you are one flesh with this woman. Lead the church to honor her as your first ministry. And lead the church to honor her as the one who shares in your calling. You are not one flesh with the church. That belongs to Jesus. The church is the bride of Christ. You and myself and all of us who are called to pastor and minister, we are dispensable. We are eunuchs. We simply tend to the bride of Jesus Christ. So you tend to your first ministry as you humbly serve the bride of Jesus. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray over you. Dear Father, Lord, we just come before you with hearts that are mingled with joy and grief, Lord. And in those moments, Lord, where we find our hearts tugged with conflicting emotions, Lord, we know that's where you found yourself on the cross, Lord, looking down at us with both suffering and yet joy. Joy that even though there's a disparity between what we gain and what you had to give up, Lord, you rejoice in that. And um, I just thank you, Lord, for um, Justin and Amy, that they know that truth. Lord, we've been reminded that every good and perfect gift comes from above, Lord, and even our relationships are a gift. Justin and Amy have been a gift to this community and our church family for the last nine years, God. And I'm so grateful, Lord. We are grateful that they said yes to a commission on their lives to respond to a call here in South Florida at City Rev. Lord, we're just grateful, Lord, that they came. <laughs> they said yes, Lord. And we've never been the same since, Lord. They've never been the same. And you've allowed this mutual relationship, God, to perfect each of us and to become more and more into the likeness of your son, Savior, Jesus. So I thank you, Lord God, for the effect, Lord, that they have on us in ways that we can't even know on this side of heaven. And so, Lord, I thank you, Father, for that calling on their life. And thank you, Lord, that respond, they're responding to the next calling in their life, Lord. And although it takes them away from us in some ways, Lord, in other ways, we are gaining another sisterhood and brotherhood of believers, Lord, and another expression of your bride, Father, in our community. And so I do, I pray in faith, God, that we would link arms with them in another way, in another unique, special way, in a way that you are doing something new, Lord, as you are commissioning them into this next role. I pray, Lord, for their family. I pray for um, protection upon them and that your favor may rest on their family as they take a leadership position, Father, where the enemy would love nothing more than to thwart your purposes. I pray for little Hudson, Levi, Salem, Lord God, would you shepherd their hearts through this process, Lord, as they go into another community where people might know them and they'll know, may know a few people, Lord, as you continue to grow their understanding of a new church family. Would you shepherd their hearts, Lord? Give Justin and Amy wisdom, Lord, to shepherd their faith, God, through this moment. And Lord, that they would be continue to be met with the love that they've already been received with, Lord. And be sent with the love, God, that we are offering them today. And so I pray for protection on their family um, and that your favor may rest, Lord God. And Lord, we know that that you have a future and a plan for them, one to prosper them, not to harm them, but to give them hope, God. I pray that that favor would rest on their family, Lord. I pray, God, Lord, I would love to say, God, it's always going to be easy, Lord, but that's just not your way, Lord. It's, it's peaks and valleys. And so I pray even now, as they're met with opposition from the enemy, Lord, that you would even now thwart his plans, God. May no weapon formed against them prosper, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God. And I just pray that you would just help <clears throat> them to feel that protection and that you would work all things even now for the good of those, good of Justin and Amy who love you and who have called, been called according to your purpose. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Lord, we pray over these two. We send them with our love. We pray for your protection 
as they go. And we commission them with the same commission that is on every one of our lives, that we go therefore and make disciples of people from all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And behold, our King, our Savior, our Lord Jesus will be with you, be with us always to the end of the age. We send them with our, with our prayers, with our blessing, with our, with our prayers for protection in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.